0: Oh, and we're getting an early start, but I wouldn't think too much about that if I were you. But we are getting an early start, amen, praise the Lord for that. But um, I want to talk, I want to speak to you tonight about uh, some things, and I chose to use Hebrews chapter 12 as my launching point for this, for this message. Um, when Pastor spoke to me about, about a month ago and asked me if I would cover this Wednesday night, I... I started praying and asking the Lord, what, what exactly should I speak about? Um, you know, not being a pastor, of course, I, I, don't, I don't really expound from the scriptures as pastor does when he, when he teaches, the expository teachings, uh, because I, I have just a, a, a date here or a date there to fill for him. I, I generally try to, try to approach these times as a help, to, to be able to help us. Each one of us, uh, in our needs, individual needs as as members of the church, and and I know that um, as as most of us have experienced over the past six months or so, there's there's been some real economic downturn, some real some real um, scary things in in some cases. Uh, I know several elderly people who are near retirement that lost quite a lot of money, and and they're very concerned now about how they're going to recoup that in such a short period of time, and. Uh, of course, times like this, they cut into our hopes and our dreams. They, they, they grip us and, and draw us back to reality, if you will, and, and cause us often to uh, become somewhat disenchanted, somewhat uh, distraught. So I wanted to speak tonight um, from Hebrews chapter 12. If, you, if you'll stand with me as we read, I'll read just the first three verses. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would help me to deliver this message, that I would say only those things that should be said. I pray you'd you'd give me the wisdom and the courage to say those things that do need to be said. And I pray that they would be received in the spirit in which they're given. Thank you for all that you've done for us now. And we ask that you would be with us at this time and bless us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to notice with me, keep your Bibles open there, in verse 1, that Paul admonishes us to lay aside every weight. Now, these weights that he's referring to here, they could be sins. And and he doesn't specify whether the weights are sins or not. They can be sins. However... They can also be things that, as Paul states, are awful for us, but not expedient for us. These weights, though they may not be sin, can and often do lead the Christian into decisions that result in sin. I remember several years ago, goodness, probably uh, 12, 13 years ago, we had a, a member in our church... And this church member obtained a boat, and this this man was a he he, he worked in our bus ministry. He sang our choir, and and he through uh, some work he had had done for someone obtained a boat. Someone gave him a boat in exchange for his his labor, and he was very excited about that boat. And and um, I, I I began to observe him with that boat, and after about a month or so, now. Understand with me, please, a boat isn't sinful, amen? I'm not sinful about a boat. I hope one day to own a boat myself. Uh, but uh, there's nothing sinful about a boat. But this boat began to present to him opportunities he before didn't have. And I, I remember one Sunday afternoon, I was, I was driving to the church for choir practice, and I saw this man heading, down, heading up the expressway, With his boat in tow. And he wasn't in church that Sunday evening. And he went fishing. Or he went sporting in his boat. And before too long. He was out of church completely. Now. Was the boat a sin? Of course not. Boat's not a sin. Boat can be a fun thing. It's a great way to enjoy time with your family. But this boat. This weight. Led him into decisions. That ultimately resulted. In things that became a sin unto him. Now. But the weights here that Paul is referring to, that the writer of Hebrews, I should say, is referring to, is not the focus of my message tonight. If you you notice in verse 1, he also admonished us to lay aside the sin which doth so easily beset us. Now, it is this that I want to consider tonight. It is the besetting sin that Paul mentions here. In this verse. Now, it is important, though, as we progress in this message, to make sure that we take this verse in context when applying its meaning. So, who is Paul addressing here? Is he addressing the unsaved man, or is he addressing the elect saints of God? Well, this will make a big difference, by the way, when trying to determine Paul's intent behind these statements. Now, the audience here is obviously Christian. Therefore, Paul's statements must be taken in the context of addressing believers. Now, when I consider the construction of this verse, the way he framed his his usage of the English language in this verse, when I consider this, uh, it is my belief that Paul is primarily addressing the sins that are common to most, if not all, believers. This is the context of my message tonight. This common sin or common sins that beset all of Christendom. Now, I'm going to ask you to allow me a little liberty tonight as I ask you to consider some things that each of us face constantly every day and could most certainly qualify as besetting sins. So I want to dis- discuss these things with you tonight. I have three things I want you to consider with me tonight. First tonight, I want us to consider this, that we are all beset by worry. In Matthew chapter... a matter of fact, turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 6. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, and these are very familiar scriptures to all of us. We read them often. We teach them to our children in Sunday school. And we, we admonish our children through these, these verses that I'm about to read to, to have faith in God and to trust in the Lord and, and to, not to fear and not to fret and not to worry. But Let's look at these verses together. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. emotional trait of men it is embedded in our old nature the very first thing we all do when we face challenges is to worry but we must remember that we have don't live under the old nature we've been given the nature of christ in second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 you don't have that verse on there i'm like i added one after i'm sorry In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we read, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We've discussed this at length in in our teen class on Sunday mornings. And I've taught our teenagers that that God has limited the the power of the flesh upon, upon us. Now that we are saved, the Lord has, in a manner of speaking, He has chained the flesh, and the flesh can no longer control us. It can sure pester us. It can sure bother us. Any of you have a barking dog in your neighborhood? Any of you? I have a barking dog in my house, I tell you. And I don't even own a dog. That's what gets me. But a barking dog is really pesterous, isn't it? Especially a little dog. That you know, its mouth is too small to even get your foot in there and he just yap 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 is really it's really pestersome, but it's not threatening and folks the flesh has been controlled upon our salvation the lord has has limited the power of the flesh upon us the flesh can only control you if you allow the flesh to control you so we've been given this 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 uh Power to overcome our fears and worries. I'm sorry, brothers, this verse that you don't have on there. And that's 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, which reads, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, what does this mean to you and I? It means that while we may experience events in our life that will stir up feelings of worry, We are not overcome by this worry. God God has given us a spirit to overcome these things. Consider some of God's servants and, and the challenges they face. Consider Noah. Noah faced the extinction of all mankind. Yet he overcame this fear. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, we read, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Then in verse 8 we read, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah didn't succumb to the fear and the worry of what was going to happen to him because he had the promise of God. Consider Moses. Moses faced exile from civilization. Yet he trusted in the Lord. We read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the 24th through the 27th verses, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt." not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And Moses, though he faced exile into the wilderness, he trusted in the Lord. He overcame this challenge. He overcame this worry. He overcame this fear and placed his faith in the Lord. Consider Joshua. Joshua faced the armies of Canaan and the great walled cities. Yet he went forth in the power of God and conquered the land. In Joshua chapter 1, we read from verse 5 and 6, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. And Joshua, though he he faced the undaunting challenge of bringing God's people into the promised land, he went in the power of God and conquered that land. Consider the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they faced death. Yet they stood strong in the face of the king and refused to his idols. In Daniel chapter 3, we read from verses 16 through 18. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And these three Hebrew children had such faith and trust in the Lord that they withstood the king to his face and and, and braved the the, the consequences of doing such. What about Daniel? Daniel faced the lion's den, yet he he was faithful to worship the Lord as he had done at all times before. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 we read, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now, each of these men that I've I've highlighted tonight faced challenges that would bring most of us to our knees. They faced things that would cause the average American Christian to question. His own faith. Things that would cause many to deny and forsake the Lord. By the way, do not forget, Noah did endure the flood. Moses did have to endure the wilderness. Joshua did have to fight those armies in Canaan. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did go into the fiery furnace. And Daniel did go into the den of lions. You see, they, they had great fears. They had great concern. They had great worry. You know, if someone grabbed you today and brought you to the edge of a, of a huge burning cauldron and said, Deny God or I'm going to throw you in there. That's, that's the reality, folks. And yet they endured those. And they had to go through them. Yet tonight, across America, Far too many Christians have forgotten about God. They sit in their homes tonight, worrying and wondering how they will make it through these economic downtimes. Now, for the unsaved man tonight, this is understandable. I understand why unsaved men are worried. They ought to worry. However, for the child of God, this is inexcusable. King David said it best in in Psalm 37 where he states, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Oh, yes, I'm afraid worry is sin. It is sin because... When we worry, we call God a liar because God has already promised that He would never leave us nor forsake us. He promised He would meet all of our needs. So when we sit and when we fret and when we worry, we sin. And it is a sin that besets every Christian in America tonight. We cannot keep from, we cannot prevent worry from creeping into our lives. But we can lay it aside and live in the faith of the Lord. Oh, worry is going to come. And there's nothing you can do to eradicate it totally from your your life at all times. But you know what you you do? When you find yourself worried about something, open your Bible and read the promises of the Lord, read the victory of the saints we, we spoke about tonight, and then sit down and say, I can do all things through Christ, who strengtheneth me. And remember that our God is still on his throne. So we're all beset by worry. But then number two tonight, I want you to consider this. We are all beset by want. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes in verses 6 through 10, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, this is a difficult thing for most American Christians to accept tonight. And that is the idea that we are materialistic. We like to pride ourselves in our, in our, in our ability to, to put God first in our lives. And that's true in many cases. I don't doubt that. I don't, I don't doubt the sincerity of anyone here tonight. But I submit to you tonight that we are all more materialistic than we are ready to admit. God is all-knowing. So what do I mean by materialism? Well, I mean a desire for wealth and material possessions. Now, I'm not saying that wanting good things is wrong. I I think you should live in the best house, the best home you can afford to live in. I, I think you should drive the best automobile you can afford. However, we must learn to keep these things in perspective. Far too many Christians today are trying to live above their means. But we must remember the admonition of the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, we read, Let your conversation or your lifestyle or your manner of living be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Listen, you ought to be happy for your brethren who can afford to buy a home. I can't afford to buy a home. But I'm not bitter because of that. I don't walk around, I don't walk around angry and mad because the Kunz's just bought a brand new house and moved away from us, and now we don't have any to talk to. I'm not bitter at all. We ought to rejoice for our brethren when they can buy a new car. We ought to rejoice with them when they take a a lavish vacation that we can't afford. Don't be jealous and resentful because they can and you can't. This is exactly what that Scripture is telling us. Let your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with the things that God has seen fit to give you. Live without jealousy. For jealousy will drive you to making poor decisions. This present-day philosophy that I am entitled to everything someone else has is absolutely satanic. I don't believe that a man who sits at home and doesn't work deserves the same health care I have for my family because I get out there and work to earn it. And we have a society of lazy people who want everything. This is a philosophy that will drive you to overextend yourself financially. It is one which will compel you to concede your schedule to your employer. Listen, I know people that can't come to church because they have to work. It is one which... which. Because you have to work the hours necessary to make the money you need, to pay the bills you have made because of your jealousy and covetousness, which drove you to spend money you didn't have to buy things you didn't need. And I'm sorry, but there are a lot of Christians, some in this room, who are in that very position right now. But what is the converse of that philosophy? Well, We read it just a moment ago. Be content with such things. As you have. This is God's philosophy. Be happy with what you have and trust God to add to you as He sees fit. This was the mantra of the of the 80s in in Louisiana when the recession hit. The the song, I don't even know who wrote the song, but the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. How many of you have heard that song? Uh, That was on every radio station, every minute of every day. Don't worry, be happy. You know, it's a sad state of affairs when the world can sing that philosophy and Christians can't do it. What are you worried about? You have nothing to worry about because your Heavenly Father has already promised that He would take care of you. Is God a liar? Does God break promises? I guarantee you, God gives us everything we need. The question is, do we waste it? Do we, are we good stewards with what God has given us? Now, there are, there are some things I want us to remember concerning this matter of want. First of all, number one, God knows what we need. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, we read, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Listen, God is all-knowing. Therefore, it goes without saying that he is already aware of what we need. And further, God knows what we need while we think we know what we need. The truth is, what we need and what we want is often very, very different. And God knows what we need. Number two, God is able to provide these needs. Paul states in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, you notice, is that verse up there? Paul doesn't say, but my God might supply all your need. It doesn't say, but my God maybe will find enough stuff to supply all your needs. He said, shall. Now, also notice. He didn't say, my God shall supply all your wants. Because too often what we want, we shouldn't have. And God will give us what we need. I've seen so many Christians over the years who help God answer their prayers. Lord, I need a car. I need a car, Lord. Get back and forth to work, take care of my family and someone says, "Hey, I got an old car I can give you." But we go out, what do we do? We go out and borrow $35,000 to buy a Lexus. You no, know, I had a boss who owned a Lexus once. It was the worst riding automobile I'd ever been in. I had a $500 Ford that I when I got to work, turned the key off, and walked out, and when I came out at the end of the day, it was still running. And that car was more comfortable than his Lexus. God will supply. What we need. He, he, he is able to provide our needs. And then thirdly, God has already given us what we need. In Psalm 37, in verse 25, again, King David states, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That's quite a statement, isn't it? King David said, I've never seen a child of God begging for food. God never withholds his blessing from his children, or David was lying when he wrote that scripture. I, I choose to believe that God withholds no blessings from his children. You know, my children are all grown. They haven't figured out that they can move out yet, but they're all grown. And along the way, I provided them with clothing, housing, and food. Now, it may not have always been as much or as fancy as they wanted, but it was every bit what they needed. Learn to limit, listen to this, learn to limit your wants to those things that God has already given you. Learn to be content. Y'all remember the old adage, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. But when you get over there, it has to be mowed, just like the old one. So we're all beset tonight. We're all beset by worry. Unfortunately, we're all beset by want. And there's a third one I want us to consider. And that is that we're all beset by weariness. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Paul writes, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Allow me to confess to you tonight. I have had times in my 29 years in the ministry of weariness. Not with God. I've never found myself weary with God, but I have found myself weary with men when men quit on god over the years men have come alongside and we've we've joined hands and we've we've begun to labor for the lord together and along the way men have quit on god that, that that that's made me weary at times when men have betrayed my trust that makes me weary when men are disloyal to the to the lord and his and his and his word and the and the local church that, that makes me weary. There will be times when you will become weary because of the actions of others. In Matthew chapter 24 and verses 8 through 12, we read, All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And they shall, And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, to me, that is one of the saddest passages of Scripture in the Bible. That men will treat each other that way. Very sad. And when those things happen, we do become weary. Now, weariness of itself is not a sin. But if we allow weariness to overtake us. It will lead us into decisions. That will cause us to sin. In those times. Remember the counsel of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, Pastor preached on this just recently. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you Now, it appears to me from this verse that the counsel of the Lord is not to become weary. The counsel of the Lord is to rejoice, to be thankful that we are counted worthy to suffer persecution for the name of Christ. And you know, the, on the other hand, we're really not persecuted in America. I, I don't think any of our brothers or sisters in Christ have been burned at the stake lately or had their tongues removed. and We're not real. How are we persecuted in America? I mean, think about it. Sticks and stones. But we get weary. I've seen far too many Christians quit in times of trouble because they become weary. Now allow me to share just a few thoughts with you tonight, and we'll close. What do we do when we face these troubles, when, when these problems come along, these challenges, when we find ourselves worrying, when we find ourselves we weary, what do we do? Let me, give you, let me give you three things. Number one, expect trouble. Expect trouble. Everyone in this room right now, right now, everyone in this room is either going through a problem, just came through a problem, or you're fixing to get a problem. We're all in one of those three. Nobody gets to live in limbo. You know, we don't get to go surfing. No, no. You, You you're either about you're either about to wake up tomorrow morning and face a problem you had no idea was coming, or you're in the middle of one, or you just came through one and you're 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 all bloodied and 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 weary. That's where we are. So the first thing you have to do every morning when, when the Lord gives you life and you open your eyes, say, okay, where's it going to come from? Because <laughs> it's coming. I walk in the building here in the morning. People say, how's it going? I'll say, well, okay so far, but we've still got a whole day to go. <laughs> I, expect, I expect a problem every day. I really do. If I can get through the day with no problem, I count it, I count it a blessing. I expect trouble. And, and you had better expect trouble because it's coming. In 2 Timothy... Chapter three, Paul states, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. I like that. And then verse 12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Get ready for it. Expect it. If you expect it, it won't surprise you. And it won't weary you. Trouble, disappointments, weariness, it will come. Not might, not maybe, it will come. So when it does come, why are you surprised? In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7, the Lord told us, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Listen, don't be caught by surprise when these things come. And and, and don't become bitter when they come. Forgive and go forward. Expect trouble. The Lord's already told us we're going to face it. So expect trouble. And number two, exhibit courage. Exhibit courage. You know, we live in a world today where parents want to coddle their kids and keep all bad things away. And, you know, that, that's not, from one point of view, that's not a bad thing. I, I didn't want my children to, to go through hard times. I, I didn't really want my children to face those kind of things. But you know what? They have to. What are you going to do? Be 80 years old and you're going to be following your kids around and make sure nobody pesters them? Listen, folks, trouble's going to come. And when it comes, you just have to, you just have to face it. You have to stand up to your fears, so to speak. I've told this story before. When I was a boy, I had a fear of the dark. And we had my, 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 one of my jobs was to take the leftover foods that Mama would put in a pot, and I had to, run, I had to go down to the water's edge, to the bayou's edge, and I'd dump that food in the, in the water there, and, and it would draw the fish and the crabs and everything else so we could catch them and eat them. Kind of sadistic if you think about it, but anyway. That was my job. We had company over this night, and I was playing with my cousins, having a good time, and Dad kept saying, son, you better get that food thrown away. Yeah, 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 Dad, yeah. Well, dark came, and bedtime came, and I was, I was getting ready to go to bed, and Dad said, hey, boy, pot, go throw it away. But Daddy's dark. He said, I don't care. Get the pot, go throw it away. Now, you know what most American fathers would have done? They would have gone throwing it for them. And they'd have patted themselves on the back for it. But you know what my dad did? He gave me the pot, put me out the door, shut the door and locked it. And he went to bed. I tell you, no one in the history of the world has made that trip faster than I did that night. I mean, if an Olympic scout would have been there, he'd have signed me up on the spot. Because I, I, I made that, that, that 200-yard run to the buy and back. I guarantee you, I did it in under 10 seconds. Uh, not really, but felt like it. Listen, you just got listen, folks. You, you just got to have courage. You got to have courage. King David writes in Psalm twenty-seven: Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Listen, when trouble comes, just stand up with courage and take it. Face it. Endure it. God has already promised that he's not going to leave us nor forsake us. This includes these times of weariness. In fact, in these times, God's greatness is magnified. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, we read, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And Paul said, When I suffer, God is glorified. So expect trouble because it's coming. And then when it does get there, don't quit and run like a coward. Stand still and allow God to work through you. Be courageous. And then lastly tonight, number three, ensue victory. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, we read, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. What should we do when weariness creeps into our life? Get busy. That's what you ought to do. You ought to you ought to get bed. Listen, when when you become weary, don't don't crawl up in a in a ball on the on the on the couch with your blanket and feeling oh, sorry for yourself. Get up and go to work. I I promise you, your problem will be there waiting for you when you get back. It won't it won't it won't run away from you. I, I, I've told. Sometimes that people miss, miss church, I'll go, i say, where were you? Oh, problems. Well, go to church. They'll be there when you get back, <laughs> you know. You, you won't lose them. Trust me, nobody else wants them. They're safe. Leave them home, come to church, serve the Lord, praise God, go back and face your problem. What, what, what does forsaking God have to do with solving problems anyway? We just have to ensue victory. That word ensue, by the way, means to chase. (laughs) You know, when a problem comes, start looking for the answer. What does the psalmist say? I will lift my eyes under the hills from whence cometh my help. Oh, yeah. You see, when problems start, you can get ready. Now, remember, though, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did go into the furnace. David, he did go into the lion's den. Noah, he did have to endure the flood. Moses did spend 40 years in the wilderness. So I'm not here tonight telling you that, oh, God is never going to let anything bad happen to you. Someone asked me once, why does bad things happen to good people? I got a better question. Why does anything good happen to anybody? We don't deserve anything. Why does God let good things happen to bad people? By the way, we're the bad people. Just because we're saved doesn't mean we're good. Amen? Don't pat yourself too hard on the back. You might knock your teeth out. Just keep doing all the things you did before the problem came along. Don't quit your jobs for the Lord. Don't forsake the church. Just keep on doing what you ought to do. Paul tells us in Ephesians, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood... But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take to you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now folks, these things that we discuss tonight affect us all. I'm not standing up here tonight trying to tell you, I never worry, I never want, and I never become weary. Because I'd be a liar if I did. And so would you. But we must not let these things control us. We must not forget who we are. We are children of the king. And what God needs his people to do in a time like this, when everyone is so fearful and everyone is so frantic, God needs his children to stand tall, be courageous, praise his name, and go forward with their lives for his glory. And that's what he needs from us tonight. Worry, want, weariness. Do not allow them to overcome you. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Besetting sins. They may not be sins at all. They may start out just as weights. But if we don't handle them correctly... And if we don't trust in the Lord as we should, they may lead us into things that will cause us to sin. So let us put these things away from us tonight. Let us set them aside. Let us live and walk in faith in the God who saved us. Paul says, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. We stand before you tonight, Father, frail and weak, and we need your strength. Father, we need to see the hand of God at work in our homes, in the lives of our families. Father, help us in our in our unbelief. Help us to to put away worry, help us to put away want and to put away weariness. Let us, as, as, as the scripture, as Isaiah wrote, let us mount up with, with on wings like eagles. Let us, let us run and not be weary. Let us walk and not faint. Strengthen us. Cause us to honor you with our lives. And in the end, we'll give all the glory and all the honor to you who deserves all those things. Thank you for this time together. I pray now you'd speak to our hearts as we leave this place and give us a renewed strength to live for you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks.